MMA communities are often a tight-knit bunch. Whether it's a bond formed between teammates sweating in the gym or the doors to MMA fandom being guarded by keyboard warriors, in all cases, the spirit of martial arts brings us together. Still, it's an individual sport and yet requires training partners, coaches, pad holders, nutritionists, hell, even a social media manager these days. And there's countless examples of teams present in the sport whose commitment to work together to support an athlete has led to a UFC champion. However, these bonds are not unbreakable and unfortunately, due to the nature of their profession, the rivalries in the training room or someone's just general shitty human behavior, we've seen athletes forced out of the training room to walk the Ronin path or find a new master. I'm Balian from MMA On Point and these are 10 fighters who were forced to change camp. Number 10, Julia Avila. 3-1 UFC bantamweight The Raging Panda, Julia Avila has been competing in MMA for nearly 10 years, seven of which were spent in Edmond at the Oklahoma Martial Arts Academy, where she received a brown belt in BJJ under head coach Seth Norman. However, in March of 2021, Avila posted on her Instagram that despite her long-standing relationship with OMA, she had been publicly excused from the gym, i.e. kicked out. Turns out Avila had snapped her coach's knee, causing a devastating injury with a prolonged recovery time. Seemingly quite bitter about this fact, Norman posted to social media that she was dangerous and not to be crossed, cautioning everyone from training with her. Julia would later tweet after fans asked for the full story, claiming that what had occurred was an accident and her coach had blamed her for it. After reading some of the Reddit posts and Yelp reviews surrounding OMA and coach Seth Norman, it's clear that this isn't the first person he's had a problem with, as people have accused him of aggressive behavior, being on a power trip and even fabricating an affiliation to the Gracies. Still, these are Yelp reviews, but it does look as if BJJ World Champion and other coach at OMA Robert Drysdale responded, even acknowledging his unaffiliation with Seth Norman for those very reasons. Still, Julia was removed from the gym and had an epic conversation with MMA Fighting's Mike Heck about starting up her own with her husband, the Julie dubbed Outsiders Combat Club. Speaking of outsiders, number nine, Dan Hardy. Well, not outsiders, but outlaws. Dan Hardy spent the first five years of his professional mixed martial arts career competing at the time in the extremely raw UK regional MMA scene. Don't get me wrong, there were legit promotions like Cage Warriors out there, but compared to the US, the facilities, training methods, and of course, MMA gyms were several years behind. A pasty and sausage roll eating Mike Bisping would pick up Dan and drive him down to their training hut on an industrial estate to train in the Batcave with Paul Lloyd Davies, a man who'd been organizing the first real MMA events in the UK under the the name Knockdown Sport Budo. After realizing the only reason he was there was to be a training partner to the aforementioned count, he phoned Davies and let him know he no longer wanted to be on the team. He then proceeded to pursue his own career in combat sports, but every training partner he called delivered an excuse as to why they couldn't work with him, until one let it slip that Paul had warned everyone on the fledgling UK MMA scene to stay away. Davies had basically been operating as an amalgamation of Dana White and Trevor Whitman for the Midlands at this point, so it's understandable why many upcoming fighters feared his wrath or wanted to work with him themselves themselves. And thusly, Hardy dubbed himself the Outlaw, barred from training not only at the gym, but with the majority of the UK scene. He adopted it as his login ID on the Cage Warriors forums and rep Nottingham proudly as a descendant of Robin Hood. A few years later, he'd meet Paul Daly in the upstairs of a leisure centre training and they would form Team Roughhouse, which is still going to this day under the guise of the Hardy Wallhead Gym. Number 8. Cub Swanson the Killer Cub has been unleashing his beautiful destruction across the globe since 2004, but as some might be surprised to hear, his combat sports journey didn't begin on the feet, but on the mats with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which quite literally saved his life. Cub has talked openly about being on the wrong path on the UFC Unfiltered podcast.
Now he found jiu-jitsu and fell in love. He even went so far as to say it was an honor when he started competing to represent the Gracie name, but after experiencing what he called politics was left with a sour taste in his mouth. But in the lead up to his UFC bout with none other than Crone Gracie, he was refused training at a number of jiu-jitsu schools across oh. California, citing the fact he was fighting a Gracie made the situation uncomfortable and awkward. Swanson is and was a black belt under none other than Hegan Machado, an 8th degree coral belt whose family lineage in Gracie jiu-jitsu is about as legit as it gets. Crone wasn't surprised at all and said Cub should have already been set up with the team after 15 years in the fight game and couldn't believe he was going door to door asking for training, stating that if you have a clan in times of war, you stick with your clan. He didn't do that and now no one will train with him. Still, Jiu-Jitsu barely came into their contest after Cobb loaded body shots into Crone's midsection over three rounds and took the decision. Number 7. TJ Dillashaw the arrival and departure of Team Alpha Male's first UFC champion and homegrown prospect TJ Dillashaw has been well documented across MMA history. And yes, I'm sure for those of you that know the story, your first thought is he wasn't banned. He left to train with new head coach Dwayne Ludwig, but that's not entirely true. The former UFC competitor and Dutch kickboxing aficionado Dwayne Ludwig arrived to Sacramento-based Team Alpha Male at the request of owner Uriah Faber in 2012 to be the gym's first ever head coach. In this time period, both Danny Castillo and Chad Mendes produced career best performances, Uriah Faber and Joseph Benavidez both received title shots, Chris Holdsworth won the Ultimate Fighter, and TJ TKO'd a champion that hadn't lost in over 20 fights. But it was Dillashaw and Dwayne who really clicked, and after his falling out with Faber and subsequent move to Colorado to start his own gym, TJ wanted to continue their coach-fighter relationship. On the JRE podcast, TJ talked about cross-training between both gyms, stating, I'm going to continue training with Team Alpha Male, but I'm going to cross-train with Dwayne, clearly still wanting to be a member, at least in part two team alpha male but after media and fan stirrings following tj's exposure by conor mcgregor on the ultimate fighter as a little snake in the grass and its continual fallout a number of years later uriah took tj's decision as he put it on the mma hour a little harder than i thought hoping faber would understand the position he'd been put in he explained he brought a coach into team alpha male for the last two years of my career that i learned to believe in and then a bunch of drama happens and i'm having to choose where i go and who i want to train with am i not supposed to train with a coach that i put all my faith into and help me win a world title but TJ didn't have to choose. After explaining to Faber he wanted to do the entirety of his next camp out at Team Elevation under the tutelage of Ludwig, Faber banned him from ever stepping foot inside the gym again. You're fired. Hard to say who was in the wrong here, but Dwayne's appearance at Alpha Male certainly drove a wedge between them. Number 6. Nate Quarry Nate Quarry is a name that some of you might never have heard before. To others, he's an original cast member on The Ultimate Fighter, UFC veteran, former Jehovah's Witness, appeared in Left 4 Dead 2 as a zombie, and was a former member of legendary MMA camp Team Quest. His subsequent departure from the gym is related to one of its original founding members, the late Robert Follis. Both himself and Nate grew up Jehovah's Witnesses, and he detailed that experience in an interview with MMA Junkie, describing how he was denied access to sports and physical competition as a child. Few understood this, but Follis, also raised in this way, did, and the two instantly clicked as he joined the team, but the two would have a falling out. He was told his ego was tearing the team apart and would have to leave the gym. They wouldn't speak for nearly 10 years, but Quarry would explain more in a series of tragic tweets following the death of Robert. He details their meeting at an SUG event where he was commentating and Robert was cornering Misha Tate. After so many years, they reconciled and shared good times together again, with Nate remembering how much support Follis had given him. Number 5. Viviane Pereira 
The social projects that exist across Brazil to teach underprivileged children the benefits of martial arts have certainly done a lot for their respective communities, including that of UFC vet Viviane Pereira, who attended one of these projects as a child and turned it into a career, making her debut in 2013 and reaching the UFC at 11 and 0. She spent her entire career with Team Dragon Combat in Fortaleza, where at 15 years old, she started a relationship with her coach, Marcos Batista, who helped her reach the UFC where she went 2 and 2 and was subsequently dropped from the promotion. Then after 12 years together in 2020, Viviane became pregnant with his child. When she told coach Batista, he let her know he didn't want anything to do with it, blocked all lines of communication, removed himself as her coach, and banned her from the gym. After the birth of her son, she joined Astra Fight Team, but has yet unfortunately to make a return to MMA, suffering a shoulder injury during training. Invicta has struggled to put on events during the pandemic, and Pereira has been relying on government relief programs to support herself and her child until she can resume her career. She seems to have found some work teaching seminars and classes in the meantime, so let's hope things work out okay for her. Number 4. Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal I think most MMA fans know about the bitter rivalry that exists between Colby Covington and, well, just about everyone else at 170 pounds, but certainly Jorge Masvidal, and it is once again a rivalry that formed in the gym as training partners. At one point, things escalated to on-site, according to an interview Masvidal gave with Ariel Hawani for ESPN. Colby's that one person that, and I always say this, wherever I see him, it's a free pay-per-view right there, you know? Ooh. You're hard. Jorge revealed he would go to the places Colby would frequent in the hopes of getting the jump on him and even had the police called on him as a result. His reasoning? Because I feel like and nobody tells me what to do. Clearly, Colby had touched a nerve and Dan Lambert, the owner of ATT, fearing the worst, suspended both of them as members of the team. Jorge eventually talked things out with Dan and although Lambert invited them both to rejoin, Colby refused joining the ranks at MMA Masters. Along with other ATT members like Dustin Poirier, even Joanna Jacek had a problem with Colby Covington and told USA Today she wanted him kicked from ATT after he brought what she described as dirty Dianas into the gym. A step too far on that one, Covington. Number three, Maria Agapova. The Kazakhstani brawler first made an appearance on our screens as a 6-0 undefeated prospect on the Dana White's Contender Series, losing to another top UFC prospect in Tracy Cortez. Then, after bouncing back with two wins in Invicta, stepped into the UFC for the first time to blast poor Hannah Cyphers in a performance of the night, recapturing the hype that surrounded her on the Contender Series. But just two months later, she would be on the receiving end of one of the largest betting odds upsets in the sport's history, losing to Shayna Dobson in the second round. She had, at the time, been training in the US at America top team, but according to Marina Morose, Agapova had been up to all kinds of shenanigans. She told MMA Junkie she'd been caught threatening team members, breaking doors, crashing her car whilst on drugs, having the police come to the gym on four separate occasions, and stalking and threatening to stab the pregnant wife of another fighter. She would supposedly come to training after being out at the club, pupils dilated still on drugs, which led to some wild behavior. This all led to her being kicked out of the gym and a move to MMA Masters. Her manager Alexis Davis told MMA Fighting she was all alone in the United States. Now she's been through therapy and she's doing much better. She bounced back on October 8th with a performance of the night against Sabina Mazo, so let's hope her manager's telling the truth. Number 2. Zelim Imadayev with word that another undefeated Russian prospect would be making his UFC debut, several MMA fans were keen to see what Zelim Imadayev could bring to the table of the welterweight roster, and he was matched accordingly with former teammate Max Griffin, both having been members of Extreme Couture in Las Vegas. 
In the build-up, Griffin let slip to Brett Okamoto. Imadayev had been banned from the gym following several incidents. He always tried to hurt his training partners. You know, we wore little gloves. He's trying to knock everybody out. He actually got kicked out over there. He recalled his first meeting with Zalim and being advised not to spar with him, which he did anyway and was met with flying knees and elbows. He also told Bloody Elbow that after Imadayev was out-wrestled, he followed a guy outside and tried to fight him in the parking lot. Supposedly, he got kicked from 10th Planet for throwing a frying knee in jiu-jitsu class and got confused and tried to fight Forrest Griffin whilst at the P. Yeah, wrong bloke, mate. In either case, the guy sounds like a total dick. He was indeed banned for endangering his sparring partners and went on to lose three straight fights in the UFC. If only he had somewhere to train. And number one, John Jones. Surprise, surprise, we're back here again. And no, I'm not going to give you an entire rundown of the extensive misdemeanors of a one Jonathan Jones, because by this point, I'm sure you know the story. Youngest ever UFC champion slowly starts to fall off the rails after DUIs, car crashes, community service, drug test failures, cocaine rehab, dick pills, and now alleged domestic violence. It's hard to say if the fame and fortune changed John, if he is somehow a victim of his own success, or if this was an inevitable path in his future. Regardless, his home since his defeat of Jake O'Brien at UFC 100 in 2009 is no longer welcoming him. Coach Winklejohn explained to Ariel Hawani on the MMA Hour. I got three daughters. You know, I have, I have a, a, a wife, three daughters, a mom. I teach women's self-defense called Smart Girl Self-Defense. And uh, um, it just makes it hard, you know, when it keeps getting in trouble. As one of the main reasons for forbidding him from stepping foot through the doors of the academy. And that he told John. John, here's the deal, man. You're, you're like my little brother. You have to stop drinking and fix these things for, for a certain period of time until you can come back to gym. Apparently, he's not forbidden from working with the other coaches privately, so we'll see how much this affects John moving forward, but he did state he was heartbroken to hear the news. Eh, my sympathy has all but run out at this point, but when your coach says you can't come home, you know you mess up. A big shout out to Luke Taylor for editing this video. You can find him and some of his amazing artwork on Twitter at cool2me underscore. Shout out to Ben Rosette and the excellent music he provided during the intro video. His music can be found on streaming platforms everywhere. There is a link in the description and follow him at Ben Rosette on Instagram and on Twitter. Thanks so much for watching today, guys. Remember to like and subscribe. I'll see you in the next one.